Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. And yeah, we're super grateful to have an awesome leader, uh, Pastor Claude, as well. Just he's been so faithful um, faithful in prayer during the last two years as well, and in leading our staff. So, yeah. Great. Well, uh, are you excited for what, what God wants to do this morning? Yeah. That's unreal. That's great. You are. Good. <laughs> he's already done stuff, and I'm sure he's got more. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, this morning and your people here today. God, I pray that you would speak, and, and uh, I thank you that you are going to speak, and we, I just have faith in that, that you'll, that you'll use my words, that you'll go on beyond my words, and, and just speak to our hearts this morning. Yes, amen. Awesome. Before I jump into uh, my message as well, um, there's a, a ministry that I kind of want to start up, and so I'm going to give you the little, the little scoop here. Uh, one thing that I do here at church is... I uh, interact with those, uh, quite a few people of those in need, and what I've been just realizing is there's quite a few people that would like to come to church, but they don't have and can't afford transportation to church. So I'm going to try to start a bit of a bus route on Sunday morning, and so for that, um, we need people that can drive a bus, so you've got to have a valid driver's license, and I, I actually believe class four or under, so four, three, two, one uh, class, driver's license. And then also we need bus hosts to help organize that, that bus route, call the people that we're picking up, and just be that friendly face on the bus as well. So if you're interested in that, you can catch me after the service, or you can email me at brenton, brenton at gmail, um, gmail, um, no, um, <laughs> brenton at gmchurch.ca. Um, yeah, it would be great to get that started up to meet that need, especially as winter is coming up and a half an hour walk across town doesn't work, right? Awesome, so we are continuing the series brick by brick, and all of the bricks of the wall that was being built in Jerusalem have now been placed, and so we're actually kind of jumping over chapter 7, because that was just talks about the wall being finished, and, and they're, they're setting up watching at the gates of the wall to make sure that's functioning well. Um, so the wall's been built, but the work isn't done, because in chapter 8, we see what's happening is that God is building his people. And this is really important, right? You can have Jerusalem, and they have a wall, so they have protection from, um, you know, neighboring countries, but, but God needs to build the people, right? You can have this great wall, but, but if the people's hearts aren't turned towards God, that's, that's a shame, right? To have this beautiful city, but not have the people's hearts. And so you see God in chapter 8, he's now doing the work, and he has been already, but he's doing the work in this chapter of building his people, in Nehemiah 8 verse 1, it says, all the people came together in one square before the water gate. And so you have all the people showing up. And actually they're saying, hey, we want to hear God's word. We want to hear from the book of the law. Ezra, we want you to read it as we're about to read in this chapter. And what we have here in chapter 8, some people would call the first revival ever. Um, revival, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard that term, um, I like this definition of it for those of you that maybe don't exactly know what it means. It, it can look like a lot of different things, but revival, um, in this definition that I like here, it, it means any remarkable improvement in devotion to God by God's people. 
So it's, it's a time when, when people are turning to God and people have this new devotion for God. God is at work. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this revival that's happening in, in chapter 8 and we're going to look at the fruits of it. We're going to look at what revival really looks like and what, what, what happens when God is really moving um, amongst his people. The first thing I think we see, and we've already read it, is when God is moving, there's, there's unity in the people. Um, we see this unity in Acts 2 as well. We see it in Nehemiah 8, where they all co- come together as one. But we see it after the Holy Spirit is poured out as well. It says, They all devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so, I think this is cool because they're, they're not showing up to church. Right? Church and, and community and all of these things in prayer, they're not events. They, they've devoted themselves to these things. And I, and I think this is an amazing thing. What happens in revival is there's a devotion to prayer. There's a devotion to coming to learn about God. There's a v- devotion to fellowship. It's not just coming one day a week and then leaving. There's a devotion to make it our lifestyle. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. So does that mean that they, they, they thought exactly the same way? Like er, about everything? Favorite breakfast cereal? Favorite, just everything was the same. They were, they were literally like robots who thought the same. No, I don't think so. But they had everything in common because I believe the things of God became the most important. So maybe even politically they thought a little differently, but the things of God were most important. And because of that, they had this great unity because they were on God's page. I did, did a wedding yesterday, and one thing I like to tell to, if I do premarital or if I do a wedding, I like to tell couples, you, you won't be on the same page until you're on God's page. Because we can bring our own agendas, right? We can bring our own ideas into a marriage, and those can war against each other. But, but when I encourage couples, go spend time with God. Spend time in prayer where you're repenting and you're letting God transform, transform your heart and then come together. And when you're on God's page, this is when you're going to be on the same page. So when revival happens, you see God's people, they're on the same page because they're prioritizing what matters most. Uh, let's continue here in Nehemiah verse 2. It says, they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded for Israel. So the first day, the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. If you were old enough to understand the law, you were there. He read it out loud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of all the men, women, and those who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Not one of them checked Facebook or Instagram. It's my translation, I guess. But here, here you have, uh, just imagine this, this service here. You have all these people. They're, they're outside um, from, from, it says, morning till daybreak. It would have been six hours, the six-hour service. And Ezra standing up, and actually it says later, all the people were, out of respect for the word, all the people were standing up as well. I'm going I'm to get the 1130 to, to stand up today for the, the, whole, the whole message. So you guys are off the hook, but 1130, 
Look out. But imagine that. They're standing outside until noon. I don't know how warm it is. I don't know how hot it is. I don't know how, how many people, their, their knees are, are getting weak. But, but they, yet they're cut at the heart and they're weeping and they're hearing the words of God. And they're, 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 their hearts are turning to him. Um, if you go through the partnership class, you'll hear Claude talk about uh, these three things, and they're based on uh, just a revelation that Claude had from God. You'll hear him talk about the beach, and the beach is, is what we kind of call our physical atmosphere and style here at this church. We like it to be relevant, and we like nice programs where you could bring your kids to child care so that you can listen to the message. You know, it's you know, we have a coffee shop that's nice and a beautiful facility that's clean, right? Um, but the beach is not the most important part, right? The be- it's not about the beach per se, even though it's nice to have all of these things. The next part that's really important, you have the, the climate. It, it, it's our passion for God. The, the climate is the, the degree of the temperature of, of our hunger for God. Are we lukewarm? Are we cold? Are we burning hot? And then we have the water. And it's all about the water. It's all about the water. That's why we have our, that's why our logo, it's not a Pepsi symbol. It almost looks like a, it's a bit more of a wave, right, than the Pepsi symbol. <laughs> or else we'd be, have copyright issues. Um, that's why we have the wave, because it's all about God. It's all about his presence. If we don't experience his presence, we won't get anywhere. If church is playing on our nice beach, and it's cold outside, and no one wants to enter the water, and no one wants to experience God, we've wasted our time. Amen? We have wasted our time because it's all about God. And so here on on this six-hour service, you might not have the best beach, right? They don't have nice, comfy chairs. They're outside. The sun's beating down on them. They probably don't have childcare. So I don't know how that's all working. But at the same time, the climate in that place was burning hot because they had a passion to know more of God. And so where, where you have revival, there's a climate of hunger towards the things of the Lord. And I, I want to ask you today in your life, where, where's your hunger at with God? Are you, are you good? It's like, I, I have enough. I can come here once a week and, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Or are you hungry for more of God? I pray that God would stir up hunger in our hearts, amen? Because our level of hunger is gonna determine a lot of things. It's gonna determine what what we experience of God. And that's huge, our level of hunger will determine what we experience of God. How many of you know about Zutu's uh, buffet that they do in town? Some people are like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm making you hungry. I love the Zutu's buffet, I love the soup, the consomme soup, like my normal, portion at the Zutu's buffet, I can't go there too much because my normal portion is about three plates and four soups. I go for it. But one of the most disheartening things in, in life, this, that, that's an exaggeration, but is when someone suggests, hey, let's go to Zutu's and you, you just ate a meal. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like I'm full. I, I, and you go there, there's nothing worse. You see the, all the buffet, it's there, it's laid out for you and like, one plate, one, two soups max. Like, what a waste. I could have been hungry here. I could have ate so much more. <laughs> and in our own spiritual life, I, I think it works this way, right? Are we hungry? Do we want more of God? Are we hungry for him? 
Are we like the psalmist that says, as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. Think about a deer that's panting for streams of water. It needs to find that water, right? It's panting. (laughs) I have to find the water. And do you think it's going to stop before it finds the water? It's not going to stop because it's going to die, right? And here the psalmist is saying, this is my heart. It it wants more of God like a deer is going to search for the water until he finds it. My heart is going to search to you and long for you to be with you, God. And this is where we have this promise in Jeremiah, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. It doesn't say half our hearts or 75%. It says all of our hearts. And so I, I pray that as a church, if we want to see this, these awesome outpourings of, of God, it comes and he, God responds to our hunger. He responds to us. Like, like a baby that when a baby cries... The parents, if you're good parents, you'll respond, right? When a baby cries, okay, let's get that baby food, right? And First Peter makes this analogy as well, and he says, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so you can grow up. Tell your neighbors to grow up. <laughs> In a good way, don't make it sound condescending. <laughs> That's what we want to do, we want to grow up. We want to grow up in our faith, right? We want to actually live these realities out. And it says later, um, grow up into the full experience of salvation. What we don't want is salvation to be a prayer that we prayed years ago. We want salvation and and our walk with God to be this ongoing experience where we're being nurtured and we're growing up in the things of the Lord. And then it says, cry out for this nourishment. Cry out for this nourishment. Cry out to God. Cry out for, for more of him, you know, cr- what, open your Bible and say, God, I want nourishment. God, I, I want to know you more. And the, the beautiful thing is that just as a, a mother responds to a baby crying and, and feeds the baby, our God is going to respond to us and he is going to nourish us because this is what he wants to do. So where there's a revival, you have people in a climate that's burning heart, hot for the things of God. They hunger for him. Let's, let's keep going in this chapter. Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above him. And as he opened it, the people, they stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Where, where revival is happening, what we see is we see expressive, expressive worship. The people were standing, they were shouting, amen, amen, which you're free to do if you want, you know. Let's not get too crazy. No, we can get crazy. (laughs) And it doesn't need to look this way, right? It doesn't need to be a carbon copy of this, right? Where we're saying amen, we're we're bowing down. It can look a, a, a number of different ways. And ultimately, the beautiful thing is that in worship, God looks at our heart, right? He doesn't dock us points when we're out of tune. Thank the Lord right? Oh, you're out of tune. Okay, minus five. Oh, you raised your hand. Okay, that's plus five. That's, you know, and we're being graded like that. He's looking at our hearts. He's looking at our hearts in worship. But at the same time, a a passion and an excitement, it looks like something, right? 
When, you're, when your team scores a touchdown or a goal, it, that passion looks like something. Or whatever, whatever hobby you have, if there's an exciting thing, it looks like something. And, and in Ezra 3, we see, um, in, and I encourage you to read Ezra because it was one book in the Old Testament. But in Ezra 3, or in the Hebrew Bible, it was one book. In Ezra 3, they're dedicating the temple, and it says no one could distinguish the, sound, the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard very far away. I don't know if that was a pretty noise, right? It was like, ah, yeah, ah, like, it was loud. And, I, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure that, that the people were, they were expressing themselves outside of the traditional Poses that we have that are acceptable, right? We have worship poses that are acceptable. It's like holding the TV. You can do that. That's acceptable. The field goal, that's acceptable. Clapping, acceptable. Swaying, don't sway too hard. Dancing, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but all of those things, they're appropriate, right? This is where David, he, he danced before the, the Lord, as they were bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he was dancing and, and, and he was judged by his wife and he says, hey, I'm going to get even more undignified than this. Why? Because David didn't care. He didn't care and it wasn't for anyone else, it was for God, right? And so in, in revival, when we're experiencing God, we're caught up in worship to him and when we're caught up in worship to him, our excuses, they dissipate, Right? Sometimes we have hurdles for expressing ourselves in worship. You know, maybe we're, we weren't used to expressing ourselves. We're not used to a culture where we raise our hands or where we bow. Maybe a hurdle to us is, hey, I prefer hymns. Or this is not exactly my jam today, you know? Maybe we're not an expressive people. Some people say, you know, I'm raising my hands in my heart. And to that I say, you should get that checked out. You don't have hands in your heart. <laughs> you shouldn't. Could be a medical issue. <laughs> Some of us are, are afraid of what others will think if we actually express ourselves to God. Can you imagine, though, any of these excuses in heaven? <laughs> if you get to heaven, oh, oh, this, this holy, holy, holy song, it's not really my jam. <laughs> They're repeating it a lot. I, I don't know. I'm not really expressive, so I'm, I mean, I know the king of kings and all of his glory is before me, but I'm just going to stand back here, <laughs> right? I'm just going to do appropriate sways. <laughs> no, when we actually see God, when we actually experience God, all of those excuses, they melt, don't they? They don't, they don't matter anymore because we're caught up with him. And I pray as a church that we would be caught up with God to the point where <laughs> We're, we're jumping, we, maybe we have these hurdles and maybe there are these thoughts, can I express my worship to God? But we're just jumping those hurdles like a racer because it doesn't matter. We're praising the King of Kings and it's not for anyone else but for the Lord. And this is what we see in revival. We see worship that expresses itself in passionate worship. Let's move on here, verse seven. We see the Levites, I won't read all their names there, they instruct the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so everyone could understand what's read. So all of a sudden you have the Levites and they're really busy. 
They got a lot of people to teach. A lot of people are hungry to know more. And so the Levites are, are, are busy expressing the word and teaching the word. Um, and, and where we, you have revival, you see the priests busy at work. You see the priests that are busy teaching, busy discipling. And I don't know if you knew, but newsflash, if you're a believer in the New Testament and the New Covenant, you're a priest, right? You're a, a, a royal priesthood. And so where, where you have revival, you don't have the one priest who, who is reading the word, instructing the word, and everyone else is coming. And, and we aren't to be a church like that anymore. That's how church looked like, right? When you had Moses, and, and he, would, he would go, and he would enter the tent of meeting to be with God while you're all sitting here. And he would pray, and everyone's just watching. Oh man, he's in there. Wow, what's going on? I don't know. And then Moses comes out, his face is glowing, <laughs> and then he tells everyone the word of God, right? This is not what New Testament church is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like you meeting with the Lord too, right? Some people say my, my church, my, I, you know, my church isn't feeding me anymore. I understand how you want good content. That makes sense. And, and hopefully we're reading the words of the, the, the word of God here and you're, you are being fed, but at the same time, you, you can eat at home. You should come here full. Hopefully, I, I hope you're coming here full because you're meeting with the Lord. And it's not about hearing one person here on stage. It's about you going before God. Yes, coming here because this is what we're mandated to do. And we still, in Ephesians it says, we still have pastors, teachers, and prophets. But at the same time, you have a connection with God and you have a ministry and you're a priest. And so a church where one person is instructing in the word, a church where one person is praying, a church where one person meets with God, that's a church going nowhere, amen? We corporately need to say, hey, I, I can meet with God. I'm called to instruct in the word. And where revival's happening, you have Ezra's. You have Ezra's who are, look what it says in Ezra 7 verse 10. It says, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study, not only the study, but the observance of the law of the Lord. He was, he was reading the word, he was walking it out, and he was teaching the decrees. And where revival's happening, this is happening. This discipleship is happening. We're devoting ourselves to the word of God. We're, we're devoting ourselves to being transformed by the Spirit so we can live it out, and then we're sharing it to others. And that's your, my call. That's what I'm doing now, but that's your call. That's your call too. In Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and strength, the greatest commandment. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. And then it says, talk about it and, and teach them. But I, I believe the, the important thing is that it's impressed on our heart first, right? We don't just want to teach children or teach others. We want it burning in our hearts. It can be tattooed on, on someone's arm. Some people get scripture tattooed on their arm. That's cool. But I want it tattooed on my heart. I want it impressed on my heart. I want to be like Ezra who's walking it out and then from there teaching others like we're called to do because we're all priests and so we've all been mandated to do this 
So revival's happening. The people are hungry. They're worshiping with passion. There's discipleship. And, and people are turning to God. They're, they're crying because they're hearing the law and they're, they're seeing the way they're living their life. And they have remorse. They're saying, God, I'm not living this out. And so there's repentance that's going on. But, but the next thing that happens, it says, then, then Nehemiah the governor... Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. This is interesting. The people are, <laughs> and Nehemiah's like, don't, don't cry. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Um, and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't, don't grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed the people saying, be still. This is a holy day. Don't grieve. Then all the people went away. And essentially, they just had the most massive party in the history of Israel. They just, they threw down. They had an awesome party and they, they made these, these portable tents too. Um, it was kind of cool. Um, that, th those tents were a remembrance of where God had brought them from. God had brought them from the, the wilderness, and, and now they were in the promised land. But where you, where, you have, where you see revival and God moving, you see repentance, right? You see a genuine repentance. You, you, you see people respond to the truth and turning to truth, um, and, and you see that that was genuinely happening in the people, but then you also see repentance colliding with joy. And maybe those two things seem a little bit weird, right? <laughs> like if you read this chapter, again, it's interesting. The people are like, <laughs> and Nehemiah's like, let's party. Why? why? Why was it time to party? It was time to party because when there's true repentance and, and when God's people repent and turn to God, on the other side of it, sometimes maybe we think God has a baseball bat, right? And he says, come here, and he bonks us on the head. Don't do that again. Go back out there. But that's not God's response, is it? God's response to true, true and genuine repentance and a turning towards him is, woohoo! Let's party! Let's party. Let's celebrate. In Luke 15, you see this, right? You see the shepherd, and, and he's going to find the, the lost sheep, and he scoops the sheep up. He takes it back into the fold, and what does he do? Throws a party. You see the woman and the lost coin, and she's looking for the lost coin, and when she finds it, what does she do? Throws a party. You see the prodigal son going and and blowing his father's inheritance, living, what, fulfilling any desire he wants, coming back to the father, and the father bonking him on the head. No. The father throws a party for him. And so, if we look at the statement, the joy of the Lord is your strength, what, what does this really mean? It means then when, when, we, when we repent, we're embraced by God. Right? The prodigal son came back and he was like, maybe, maybe I'll be a servant. Maybe my father will take me back as a servant. I hope that's the case. But before he knows it, his dad runs to him. He's getting smooched. Oh, oh. 
Before he knows it, there's a ring on his finger, there's sandals on his feet, there's a, there's a coat around him. He was full of pig muck, but he's restored now. And again, they, they kill the fattest calf and they have a massive barbecue. Do you think the next morning the son was thinking, you know, that, that was fun. That was a good party, but I think I'll go back to the, to the pigs. He wasn't. He had been embraced by his dad. He had been loved by his dad. He, had, he experienced the joy of his father. And that was going to keep him strong. And, and in revival, what we see is a genuine repentance, because there's no joy without that repentance. But on the other side of repentance, it's met by the joy of the Lord. And he's, he loves you. He loves having you back. And he's not waiting. If you repent of anything, he's not waiting with, with, a, with a bat. He's waiting with his arms. He's going to kiss you. He's going to love you. And understanding that joy of our Father, it's going to make us strong. And it's going to keep us close to the Lord. So in revival, this is what we have. We have unity in God's people because they're devoted to the thing that's most important. You have a burning hunger for God. You have expressive worship. You have the priests at work in discipleship. And you have repentance that collides with joy. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.